So on Sunday evenings, we have been led of the Lord. Uh, we have prayed. Um, I'm grateful for your prayers that God would lead me uh, to that portion of Scripture that he's to have his feet on. And our Saviour has led us to the book of Jonah. It's only a little book, but it's, uh, I think, a great and a challenging book. And we've started looking at this man of God who was mightily used of God in his youth to prophesy against uh, the Assyrians. And Nineveh uh, is the greatest city in that empire. And now God's call comes to him and tells him that he's to go to that city and preach repentance to them, which in God's plan means that they are going to be forgiven. Repentance leads to uh, the, the salvation. And Jonah is running away from that. You see, Jonah is justifying to himself, and this is what we looked at last time, that that's not possible, that God cannot be calling him to preach grace to the enemy. And what Jonah does, and I'm sure he's kind of spiritualizing this, instead of arising and going the direction God wants him to go, he is arising, but going in the opposite direction, towards Tarshish. So he's kind of saying, yes, God is calling me to preach to the Gentiles, but it's not possible that he's calling me to preach to the Ninevites. So he's going to Western Spain. And to help him, uh, he finds an open door. Uh, there is a ship waiting uh, in Joppa that's going to take him there. And we're looking at the back slider. And maybe you or I are the back slider. We've got the Jonah syndrome. Maybe God is calling us to do something and we're going the other way. We're not aware of it at the moment, but we're kind of justifying our going in a different direction by using spiritual reasons. Well, let's continue to look at Jonah here, running away uh, from uh, God. Uh, I want to use this illustration. He's out at sea now. And isn't that a good picture of the backslider? You're all at sea when you're backslidden. You know what that means? You've lost your moorings. You're just drifting away from the Lord. Now, these verses frighten me. Well, it's one verse, Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. You see, backsliding isn't just something that can come to a dodgy church down the road. We can, as Elwyn Davis said, unwittingly be backsliders just drifting without realizing it away from the word of God. And what I'm finding uh, in my own experience and in the evangelical church at large is that we've got so many things that are not based on the Bible. They're just our own traditions. And we can make more out of those than the word of God. And we somehow think we're all right. But no, God is saying, where is my word? Are we holding on to the word? That's the thing. That's all that matters in the end. This is the anchor 
that keeps us from drifting. So I've just got three things in the tradition of Welsh preaching to say tonight uh, about Jonah's backsliding. If you're a backslider, you need to hear these things. Uh, The first point, what some commentators have called Jonah's folly. Jonah's folly. Uh, If you look at the verses, you've got but Jonah, verse (laughs) 3. But Jonah, convincing himself God is calling him in another direction. But do you notice there's not just but Jonah, is there? There's another but. Verse 4, but the Lord, but God. Aren't you glad of the but gods in the Bible? Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you ever listen to his um, sermons online, he's got a very powerful message on but God uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. That's a very positive but God. This but God isn't positive, not to begin with anyway. (laughs) Here's Jonah running away. But what Jonah hasn't counted on is the Lord going after him, the hound of heaven. And God, you know, is always going to have the last word. Jonah isn't going to have the last word. You and I are not going to have the last word. Our society, with all of its confusion, isn't going to have the last word. It is God who is the Amen. But God. And what does God do? He's going to stop Jonah. You know, God loves you too much to allow you to go your own way completely. Now, he will allow us to run away from him, up to a point. But because of his love to us, what does Hebrews 12 say? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he will come after us. He will come after you. Is he coming after you at the moment? What does he do to Jonah? Interesting word. But, verse 4, the Lord sent out, in the original, it's hurl out. Uh, When we were at school, we had um, lessons, especially in the summer, um, throwing javelins. Are they allowed to do that these days? We had to throw javelins. I couldn't hurl a javelin to save my life. But this is God hurling as a javelin this storm. And there's only one person this storm is going after, and that's Jonah. And God is going to bring his child back, come what may. And you know what? He's going to do the same with you. He's going to do the same with us as a church. He loves us so much. He's not going to allow us to be spoiled. The worst thing that can happen, I think, to a person is that God gives you the desires of your heart, but sends leanness of soul. If you're a true child of God, you will always be miserable when you're going away from the Lord. One of the most frightening experiences I've had was in the Eisteddfod, witnessing to a person, and I said to him, I'm an evangelical, I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ, and he just looked at me and he said, oh, I was like you once, I was like you once, but he said, it's all right, it's all right, I'm backslidden, he said, but I'm going to come back one day because I'm one of the elect. He wasn't uncomfortable. He wasn't sorry. That's a bad place to be in. If you're backsliding and are miserable, praise God, because it shows God is, as it were, hurling his storm at you. 
Look at the words used here. It's a great wind. It's a great wind. Jonah is swallowed later on by a great fish. God is sending him to the great city of Nineveh. And towards the end of the book, you'll be glad to hear this, Jonah has a better view of the great mercy of God. Jonah's folly. Do you know why it's Jonah's folly? He's running away from a great saviour. Um, can I use this as an illustration? Maybe you older ones won't get it. You've all heard of Batman, haven't you? One of my favourite superheroes, Batman. And Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Um, I can't remember which one, but there's a character in the film who discovers Batman's true identity, that it's Bruce Wayne. And so he wants to blackmail Bruce Wayne. He wants to blackmail Bruce Wayne. And he says this to somebody. And this person says to him, are you stupid? You want to blackmail this person who's got so much power? That's folly, isn't it? That's folly. How much more stupid it is to try and run away from God. He's going to get you. You can't outwit this great God. God's call came to Jonah. He didn't hear him. When Jonah was in Gath Hefer, am I pronouncing it right? In Galilee, the call came. Jonah didn't get it. He didn't hear God in the call. The storm comes. And Jonah doesn't hear God in the storm, does he? Uh, C.S. Lewis, very famous words. Do you know these? God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And sad to say, Jonah was fast asleep in the storm. Are you like Jonah? Do you know where Jonah was going to Tarshish? Do you know what Tarshish means? Uh, Tarshish means hard place. Uh, it was a place on the western coast of Spain, and it was renowned for the trade in hard metals. And do you know what the Bible says about backsliding and the path of the backslider? It may start off easy, as Jonah found out. All the doors were opening up for him. But the way of the backslider is hard, isn't it? Oh, if, if you're running away from God, you're trying to hold on to Christ with one hand and the world with the other, and you're not getting either fully. It's a hard place. Oh, let us not be fools like Jonah was. So that's my first point. Secondly, I want to look at Jonah sleeping. Jonah sleeping. Now, we've got to sympathize with him. Uh, where do we find him sleeping, you ask? Uh, verse... Five, this storm is blowing. They're in the middle of the sea. 
the mariners. Who were the mariners? They were Phoenicians. They were renowned for their seafaring, so they were expert fishermen. But even these fishermen were afraid, and they were crying to their God, and they were lightening the load by throwing cargo out of the ship into the sea. But Jonah, where was he? He was fast asleep in the lowermost parts of the ship. Fast asleep in a storm when he should have been wide awake. Isn't that a picture of the church? We're fast asleep spiritually, aren't we? At a critical time. Do do you know what happens when you're asleep? You dream. Have you had dreams recently? I've, I've had weird dreams recently. I don't know if it's because I've eaten too much cheese before going to bed. Weird things happen in dreams. Do you know what the church does when she's fast asleep? She just does weird things. What's Amy Carmichael's illustration? Do you you know Amy Carmichael's illustration? Amy Carmichael was sent by God to South India. Have I got that right? And she was mightily used by God there. And she used this illustration... The world is going to a lost eternity. I think she pictured people hurtling over the edge of a cliff to hell. And what's the church doing? Dreaming. And do you know what the church is doing in Amy Carmichael's illustration? Building daisy chains. Busy with their daisy chains. While a multitude is going to a lost eternity. How sad. Now, you may say to me, Pastor, the church today isn't building daisy chains. Isn't it? When I first came to Cardiff, (laughs) if you don't mind this illustration, I was given a choice of two ministers, fraternals, to go to. I won't mention them now in detail, but one minister's fraternal invited us to a bonding session in a place in Cardiff Bay where we would do 10-pin bowling. That's what ministers need today, to bond together over 10-pin bowling. Now, I, I can't bowl a 10-pin bowl any more than I can throw a javelin. So I didn't go to that. So I went to this other minister's fraternal. And we weren't doing 10-pin bowling. We were getting really excited, or some of the ministers were, discussing the received text. And I I thought, has it come to this? One group of ministers, evangelical ministers, ten-pin bowling, another group discussing something that's not even tertiary. Daisy chains. My friends... The world is going to a shipwreck. We're all together, aren't we? In the same boat, just as Jonah and these sailors. They were all in the same place. So are we. The church, the world, we're all in the same vessel. And the world is lost. And the only one who has an answer, Jonah, is fast asleep. No one else 
has the answer. No one else has the gospel but the church of Jesus Christ. And if we don't hold the gospel up, who will? Um, you know? These poor sailors were in this storm because of Jonah. I don't want this to be misunderstood. But I don't have a problem with the world being in the state it's in. Because it's fallen. People are blind. My problem is the church being in the state it's in. And I think it can be argued that the world's in the moral mess it's in today. Especially in the West. Because of us. Because of the pulpit imbibing teaching that denies the Bible. And then that's infecting the churches. Isn't that why we came out of a mixed denomination in the 1970s? And my friends, we've got to preach the same gospel today. We've got to fight to hold Jesus Christ as the only answer. I don't want us to be making evangelical daisy chains. I don't care what our hobby horses are. My business is to preach him. What did Wesley say? My business here below, to cry, behold, the Lamb. May we do that. Um, you've probably heard of uh, this anecdote. Was it the 18th century or the 19th century? Um, Welsh um, nonconformists, that's what we are. <laughs> we're not conformists, we're nonconformists. They, they were being criticised by people, if I say over the border, you know what I mean? They were being criticised for being too excited in their meetings. Uh, you know, uh, there was somebody saying to one of the Welsh preachers, you Welsh people, you are jumpers, jumpers. That's what you're doing in your meetings. And he turned to this person and said, I'd rather be a jumper, jumper than a sleeper sleeper we can be critical of those who are overexcited but my friends what right have we got if we are spiritually asleep oh we need to wake up and then one more thing and then I'll be done Jonah is awoken in the end isn't he how does he wake up it's not the storm that wakes him. Verse 6. The captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Um, Hugh Martin uh, has got a famous sermon uh, entitled, The World Rebuking the Church. Isn't that amazing? It's an unbeliever here who is saying to a man of God, Why are you stumbling? Awake! And in the original, I don't think the New King James brings it out as well, but in the original, the captain said to Jonah, Arise, call on your God. What was God's call to Jonah when he was in Gath Hefer? Verse 2, Arise and call out against Nineveh. So that's interesting, isn't it? 
The initial call of God that came to Jonah is echoed here in the captains waking him up. And I'm sure Jonah, as he wakes up, he hears this echo and it just makes him feel uncomfortable. Do you like waking up? I'm not a morning person. That's why I need coffee in the mornings. I find the process of waking up hard. But, oh, when we are woken up from a state of spiritual slumber, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? I, I think it's all right for me to say this. I remember going to Moldova and hearing Brother Vanya doing his Bible studies. This was the first time I heard him. And I, I was uncomfortable. I thought, my, you'll never hear this in the UK. It was as if he was shooting the word of God at us. And I don't mean by that something bad. It, it was just searching our very hearts. We were made to feel uncomfortable. Don't we need a bit of that? Our consciences getting sensitive again. being pricked in our hearts. May I be a preacher that's given the word by God. Nathan, when he said to David, you are the man, that, that's God speaking, isn't it? God speaking. The word of God coming I, I was talking to somebody who has been around for a while, and they used to go to a conference uh, in Wales. <laughs> You'll know what I'm referring to. And I asked them, how ha has the conference changed over the years? And they made this comment. Well, the preaching is still very good. The preaching is still good. But in a previous generation... It was the Holy Spirit that was convicting us. The Holy Spirit. Now, he said, there's an intensity in the preachers. Isn't that interesting? We can tell the difference, can't we? Between the Holy Spirit searching our hearts and a strong character, maybe, pushing his personality in the preaching when we wake up spiritually, it's the Holy Spirit that is searching us. And you know, friend, brother, sister, when it's the Holy Spirit, even though it's uncomfortable, there is no torment. Praise God. There is no oppressiveness. It's... Have you had a cold shower? Have you, have you ever had a cold shower? It's not nice, is it? If anybody enjoys a cold shower, there's something wrong with them. <laughs> but it's healthy. It wakes you up. Oh, may we have the cold showers of God the Holy Spirit. Uncomfortable, yes. But waking us up. Waking us up. And let me tell you, as I come to a conclusion, this man of God was fast asleep in a storm. Because he was running away from God. There's a greater than Jonah. Do you know what I'm referring to? There's a person who's greater than Jonah. 
who was fast asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. And he wasn't running away from God. He was doing God's will. And he was doing God's will, not for his own sake, but for Jonah, for you, and for me. Jesus Christ. He came as our representative. And he was on his way to a cross. And on that cross, he took all of our sins and our sorrows and our backslidings so that we could be healed. And the poor disciples in that storm, they didn't at first trust in Jesus, did they? They said to him, don't you care? Don't you care? And yet, they did the right thing in the end, was simply to run to him. And you know what, my friend? If you're beginning to feel, maybe I'm that backslider. Maybe I'm not right with God. Maybe I'm not outwardly backslidden. But my heart is just running away, drifting. You can go to Jesus as well. I can go to Jesus. And do you know what you can say to him? I wonder if you know this. I found this helpful over the years. Oh, Jesus, full of truth and grace. More full of grace than I of sin. Isn't that amazing? Once again, I seek thy face. Open thine arms and take me in. And freely my backslidings heal. And love the faithless sinner still. My God is the God who has said, I will heal their backslidings. I will restore all the empty years that the locusts have eaten. So say to him, thou knowest the way. I'm lost at sea, but thou knowest the way to bring me back my fallen spirit to restore. Oh, for thy truth and mercy's sake, forgive and bid me sin no more. The ruins of my soul repair and make my heart a house of prayer. What did we used to sing as an introits? The first time I ever came to this church, I remember singing this, come. Do you know the words? Let us to the Lord our God, with contrite hearts return. Why? Our God is gracious, nor will leave the desolate to mourn. Praise be to his name that he comes after us and he brings us back and he heals. We'll see how he does that as we continue through this book for his name's sake. Amen.